Hi, I'm Kamu. I'm an entrepreneur and VCOM Honors Investment Management graduate. And I'm Darren, a CFA chart holder and a newsletter writer. And you're listening to the Upstart VC Podcast. A podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs about the things they're building and to investors about the entrepreneurs they're backing. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today we're having a chat with the founder and CEO of Zeo, Mvelo Shope. As always, the first segment of our show is an elevator pitch where founders tell us about their business and why we should buy their product. Let's hop in. Yes, Zayo, um, we curate learning journeys um, on four companies. And then what we do is we place this on a learning management system, which we then um, give to the company for them to upskill um, their staff or to upskill people that they've recently recruited. Um, but in the new year, we're going to be making this LMS available um, to anyone really looking to code. Um, and this will be subscription based. arrived at your destination can you please describe your role at zeo and some of the things that led you down this entrepreneurial journey all right um yeah so i am the founder and ceo um so how we basically started Zio, it was a conversation between it was a friend of myself um we're sitting at the cafeteria yeah and we're just really discussing things like you know internships um, you know, what are we going to be doing after varsity? You know, we're in our final. We need to start thinking about all that, all of those things. Um, and you know, my friend, he he was studying computer science, and he he had this issue where he wasn't able to land an internship or like a decent role in you know a company that he wanted to go to, because um, they kept asking him, you know, what has he built? What project has he been involved in? Um, and for him, up until then, it was really just, you know, going through the whole school thing. Um, it was Dean's List, it was Golden Key, but he, those marks were not enough to really speak about what he was actually capable of doing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where Zio itself started. At the time, it was really just to get varsity students more employable. Um, well, technical or computer science and engineering students more employable by placing them on real um world um projects where we'd find projects for them um and then get them to actually do that for for like startups and then they would go on their cv they'd also earn a, a bit of an income as well over time we started training them and that's kind of how we got into what we do today um but for me personally just entrepreneurially um like i'm not born into an entrepreneurial family at all um maybe you know how particularly maybe my, how my mother thinks might be entrepreneurial, but she's never really ventured into anything that's, um, you know, of significance, you know, every now and then like small things. And I kind of picked that little bit that she used to do. Um, and yeah, and just my interests, then as, as I started getting into them, I started realizing that there's actually quite a bit that I could do. Um, I could do a lot on just from society perspective or level. I could do a lot also just you know, bringing my ideas into the world and you know, potentially monetizing all of that. So that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship. Um, it was out of interest, my own interests more than anything and really trying to do things that you know, I 
thought you know certain people could do but you know if I really applied myself I could really do them as well so yeah and it's ventures after ventures Zaya is definitely not the first thing that I've started um you know I failed quite a bit as well um but each time you, you really do learn something and I'm just glad now some of the things that I learned in the past I can really apply in Zaya today <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned failures. So, how many failures did you have before you landed upon Zio? Um, I mean, if you're talking specifically failed ventures, because um, each venture would have its own sets of failures. Um, but I'd have to think. So, about four or five in the space of. I mean, some of them it's they weren't that significant. I'd say two of them really were. Um, you know, this was like a, a going concern. Um, we started getting, you know, real customers or whatever. I think the other two or three, it was, you know, you'd, you'd get like a product out or you'd speak to customers and then um, like stupid things, man. Um, you know, one of your teammates no longer wants to to work with yeah. you because, you know, they, they have school or something <laughs> um, or they have other commitments. So... So yeah, so really ones that that really did take off and there was a legitimate um there was legitimate traction and some sort of you know test in the market. Mm. Um I'd say it's probably just two of them. Kama did mention that initially in your conversation, you kind of um alluded to the fact that some of those um societies at at UCT actually does open a few doors. Is that true? Or um do you think you can enter the, the startup and, and VC ecosystem in Cape Town and in South Africa without assistance? Or do you think that your exposure via UCT societies really helped a lot in your journey to getting exposure, um, to being like, to entering some of the accelerators that you've entered into? Um, if we can maybe just chat a bit about that as well. All right, cool. Um, I do believe that you can, um, you know, succeed in Cape Town ecosystem without the help of societies, um, but you you can actually get a lot of help through them. Um, so the first event that I went to, um, I, that's where I actually met one, like our advisor, like, so he's been an advisor since day one um, in our business till now. Um, and when I first met him, he was... You know, I had a different idea. So they really do help in, in terms of exposing you to, to interesting people, but it also takes you putting yourself out there to actually build some sort of relationship with whoever they bring in. Um, yeah, but in terms of us being part of the different programs that we've been in, I think that was a function of being exposed to other things outside of just campus or outside of UCT. Um, so, you know, things like Startup Grind, um, that's a really good space to meet people that are actually in the industry. Um, things like, like different meetups as well. You know, there's this whole meetups app and there's different groups that are on it. You can just go on there and go to the different events that people host. It's a great way to network. So if you think just using campus to really get out there or to really access the different spaces in and around Cape Town, um, that's not really the right way to think because that can only do so much for you. You genuinely need to go out there. So I kind of hopped around in, in all of them in the different spaces and got whatever value I needed from all of them. And yeah, 
I'm glad you met you you mentioned uh, that meetups app. If if you aren't on that meetups app, please download it ASAP because it will change your life. So I think this is a good segue to to go into some of the questions related to the business. Yeah, cool. Um, so I suppose the the main question I have is based on some of the reading and the research I've done from what I could find online, and compared to what you said in your elevator, um, is the has the business model changed? So from what I've seen, it uh, business model to me seemed as if you get students or prospective people who want to learn how to code um, and then they apply to learn how to code and then you connect them with an employer once they've done the, the course and you charge them percentage of their salary once they get a certain baseline salary. Um, is that still the business model? Because when you did the pitch, you said it was more of an LMS. So you're creating like a, a management, a, a learning management software um, platform um, and then you sell that product onto uh, to clients basically to customers who want to train uh, their staff essentially maybe just some clarity on that yeah um, so the, the income share agreements is something we definitely don't do anymore um, okay for more more than anything regulatory reasons because um, you, you kind of need to be you know, registered with the Credit Act and, and all that stuff. Um, because it, in, in essence, it is a form of a loan. Yeah. Um, and we didn't think it was that at the time. And, you know, we could have gone through the entire process, but at the, at the end of the day, it was like, we, we actually don't want to put people in that position as well. Um, we'd much rather, you know, go to someone with a budget and then just pay for someone to go through whatever learning that we give them. So right now we are transitioning away from that um where we bring people to to upskill for a company um we still do that but definitely without the income share agreement um where if a company is looking for talent we find the talent upskill it and get it upskilled in the company so that's something we're currently still doing i have a few clients that still require that from us but what I was mentioning in, in my elevator pitch is, is what we're moving into, what we've started moving into. Um, it is a very d- weird period where it's, we are transitioning. So it's, it's a lot of work because you kind of have to maintain two business models. Um, but yeah, we are at the end of the day moving to a more automated approach to, to what we do. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, and then maybe, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you've gone about uh, raising seed raising seed capital? So your process into how you got into the accelerators um, in Genie and Grindstone. Um, I mean, raising raising money is not like a an easy task. Yeah. So if anything, you should expect it to take like six months. You should. Definitely, if you, if you need money like next month and you, you think you're going to raise it all, um, unless you have a really powerful network, um, I doubt that's going to happen. Um, so it's, it's about meeting many people, um, but also kind of having specific people that you want to work with. Because it's one thing to receive money from someone, but what other value are they providing in your business? You know, are you just getting a million rand from someone or are you getting a million rand plus somebody who's been in your space for years, 
you know, somebody who has a really great network or somebody who might have a business that you can, you know, provide services to, that's what you need to have in mind. You can, you know, you can hear about a specific, you know, angel investor who has a lot of money and you might want to put them on their list, on your list. But um, over time, as you, if you work with them um, and you realize that they, they're not actually providing you any value outside of the money that they gave you, um, that money could actually end up getting finished really quickly because you don't know what to do after that. Um, but whereas if it was somebody that you, you know, has gone through maybe a similar journey, they could tell you, okay, you now have a million rand. Um, this is how I would probably spend it. Don't try to spend all in one place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we had a, like a list of funders that we, we approached. We generally thought we were going to raise like really quickly. We had a solid idea. We had good traction. Mm. Um, we're an exciting dynamic team. Um, you know, we, we had quite a lot of clouds um, as well. So we kind of thought, hey, you know, like who wouldn't want to invest in us? Um, and and we, I mean, the, the we kind of realized very quickly that that's not really how it works. It's, it's ongoing conversations. It's sometimes you think a VC is really interested because, you know, the first meeting is great, then they want to meet again and again and again. And so you realize this is actually not going to go anywhere yeah. um and then some vcs where or some funders where you think okay this this is great you know let's do it um but you know you see maybe later on that your vision for the business and their vision for the business is is not really aligned and this is where this is the most difficult situation i think um is out there where you end up having to to, to say no um, to, to that VC because of that, you know, they literally pull your business in a totally different direction to what you had in mind. Um, especially when you, you know, the money is basically on the table, um, and you're, you're ready to take it. Um, but it, it, it does take, it does require discipline to, to be able to do that as well. Um, you know, for, for somebody who, who isn't born into a family that, you know, has access to a lot of people that could be funding. So for us, it was about, getting ourselves out there, knowing people, building relationships, growing a network, and that network then gave us value at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's, yeah. in terms of growing that network, that is way before the six months um, period where you're actually actively looking for funders. You know, two, three years before, that's when that work probably started for us. Yeah, I suppose it's a it's a long, hard journey, especially if you're not very well connected as a startup initially, um, to kind yeah. of meet the people who have access to capital. And I'm sure maybe you can also just chat about it in terms of your first investors. I'm sure those were probably angel investors rather than VCs. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it was an angel investor. It's a one person, actually. Yeah. Um, it's quite an interesting story where... You know, we, like we met this person. So we actually kind of got lucky with this one. So yeah. we were speaking to another investor and they were keen. Um, and, you know, we had gone through basically all the hoops we'd given them everything that they needed. Um, and now we're sort of negotiating and we had sent basically our final, um, okay, this is what we want in exchange for this. Yeah. Cool. Um, and they basically took their time, um, you know, drawing up, the, the contract um, to, for us to sign and then everything would happen. So it was literally like the deal was done. Um, and yeah, and then we kind of met 
this that that the guy that ended up investing in us um you know it was it was such a random meeting as well you know one of our fund one of our advisors was trying to do something with them so they were trying to do business together and then you know we happened to be in the office um and we you know pitched you know and um he liked what we did this never happens um but there and then he was like he wants to be part of this um and yeah, a couple of weeks later, we were, you know, signing stuff, and that was that. Um, I think I genuinely believe we probably have one of the best investors in the business. Like he's he understands us. Um, he's he's very comfortable to speak to. Like if something goes wrong, um, he like it's he's not going to make it a huge issue. Like oh my gosh, you guys are losing my money. But it's like how do we solve this thing together? um and yes so so yeah so so how really was how was that how was that sorry to interject but like how was yeah. that structured was it a pure equity financing or was it a convertible note yeah so it was it was it was a pure equity deal and how that happened was um it the deal that we were going to go into with the people that were going to fund us at the time um you know the terms were already discussed and we were happy with those terms um, and we shared these with, with him and he was like, okay, cool. I mean, instead of making everyone's life more difficult, um, let's just run with the same terms. We were happy already. Um, and he was happy to, to, to basically use the same terms. Um, and yeah, and then that's how we signed him. Initially he was supposed to, you know, bring in half of the amount we were raising for. Um, but we got impatient, he got impatient with the people that were coming in and then he ended up investing the, the full amount that we were raising for. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And sometimes it is kind of uh, serendipitous or just luck that you need to succeed as a startup. Um, yeah. It sounds like that's kind of what happened with, um, with the angel. It's, it's literally what happened. Um, yeah, that is, that's literally <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> the fact that they were also yeah. comfortable signing the same term sheet as yeah. well with the same terms, that is like, yo. Yeah, that yeah I mean, like, it was similar for the most part. I wouldn't say the same, but it was, it was quite similar. In terms of your, your runway and funding, so you've already raised the seed round from angel investors it sounds like and when when do you guess you'd you'd probably be looking to raise capital again um yes i mean we've already started the process of raising again um so this is particularly to to sort of get into other areas i mean we have a really good footprint in in cape town and um we've had a lot of people from joyberg you know come to us but we don't really have a solid footprint in those in that area um we i guess also have our first you know clients and somewhere in the rest of africa Mm. which has been Mm. nice so being able to beef up operations um for us you know there's certain skills that we still need in the business um and those are things that we kind of need now and into the, the first half of the year so we started raising like a, a month or two ago and the process has started. So within the next four months, um, five months, depending on, on how things go, um, we should be, uh, I guess, maybe closing some uh, a round of, of funding. And, and then maybe just kind of leading on from that, um, which can be our last question, I think. Um, if you had to, um, receive an investment 
or if somebody gave you a grant of 100,000 US dollars, which depending on exchange rate is between 1.4 and 1.6 million rand, what would you spend it on? Yeah, so I mean, more than anything, we, we really want to you know, bring in you know, somebody slightly more senior into the business from a technical perspective. Um, so we are a very technical team. All the founders outside of myself either did engineering or computer science, um, but we do need someone a bit more senior um, to help us really, you know, deploying products, you know, properly into the markets. Um, we do need someone, I guess, in, in, in our finances as well. But one of the major things we want to work on now is providing more content or more learning journeys for people. Uh, so right now we do do web development um, and we're able to do things like software development um, or coding generally. Uh, but we want to look into making content for um, emerging technologies, your blockchain, your data science, your cloud. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing would probably be around just marketing um, more, especially as we move into this B2C model. Um, it's going to be heavily dependent on marketing and getting our, our LMS out there. Yeah, so thank you just so much again for making time to chat. You know, the work you're doing is is very inspiring because as we all know, education remains a pivotal role in the yeah. development of any country, really. So yeah, man, just stay crushing it and stay rising. Yeah, thank you guys. And also you guys too. Um, I think uh, what you guys are doing, I guess, with this podcast is, is really great. We need more stories um, to be out there. Um, and I like the format of, of you guys' podcast as well. Um, <laughs> I think it, it could really provide value to, to, to your listeners. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you are not using an iPhone. We'll add a link in the show notes. If you had any thoughts on this episode or suggestions of guests or topics we should explore, please email us at highupstartvcpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.